yeah, they basically substitute cuss for fuck, and it comes off really great. I think every cuss word. I don't think it's always fuck. Oh, I thought it was specifically fuck. It's every cuss word. Oh. Hey, guys. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And today, I finally watched Fantastic Mr. Fox. So... Me and Wes Anderson movies have like a weird relationship because it was never a director I was interested in watching when I was younger or even like in high school. I only became interested in Wes Anderson movies. Um, I don't even know. Like what movie came out that I was like, oh, yeah, Wes Anderson. What was like that one right before Grand Budapest? Moonrise Kingdom? I don't know, man. Maybe it was this one. But I think um, I saw this one in theaters with my parents, and they were like, oh, yeah, let's go see a Wes Anderson movie. And I was like, eh, okay. But um, now I've grown to really like Wes Anderson. And um, I actually lied to a girl how much I liked Wes Anderson movies on a date because she really liked Wes Anderson movies. And I was like, oh, yeah, I and I and I uh, this is so bad. You know how on Facebook you can like list your likes and interests? Oh, my God. So I went on her Facebook and I saw that she was a big fan of the movie Rushmore. And I was like, what is this movie? So I looked it up. I was like, OK, starring uh, um, Bill Murray and Jason Schwartzman. Uh, directed by Wes Anderson. And then I looked up a couple other Wes Anderson movies in case I, I was going to be quizzed on this date about it. And then I went on this date and she was like, oh, so what are you into? I was like, I really, I really love movies. She was like, oh, what's your movie? I was like, well, it's kind of embarrassing, but I really like the movie Rushmore. Yeah. So, so that started out and I thought it was going to be a lot worse. And then in the middle... I was like, okay, that's not that bad. And then it got bad again. That <laughs> yeah, it was not good. Not I good. thought you were going to change your Facebook interest to like Wes Anderson and all of his movies. <laughs> I dress like Wes Anderson on the date. Um, yeah, no, it's, it wasn't that bad, but it was still pretty bad. Um, so he, for me... Needless to say, that, that, that relationship never went anywhere. So for me, the first Wes Anderson movie I think I saw or started was The Life Aquatic, which a friend in high school tried to show me and a few of my other friends, and we were all just not interested in it. And I was like, I don't understand what's going on here. Uh, this is not for me. And then another friend showed me um, The Royal Tenenbaums. And I was like, I, I kind of understood a little bit what I was getting into a little bit more. And so I, I liked that one better. Um, but I think the one that really got me into him was Moonrise Kingdom. And I need to go back and watch Royal Tenenbaums because I know at this point I'd love it. And since watching Moonrise Kingdom, I went back and saw The Life Aquatic and I love it. Um, as we talked about in like a previous episode, Grand Budapest Hotel is like one of my favorites. So it, it took a while for me to realize, like almost like figure out what I was watching and like why I should appreciate it. And then once you know what you're looking at, you can, you can appreciate it. Um. Just to round out my story, though, I did end up finally watching Rushmore and absolutely falling in love with it. So uh, I, I totally get where that girl was coming from. The one that got away. 
Uh, <laughs> no, but have you ever seen the Darjeeling Limited? I haven't. It's it's really good. That's another really uh, um, one of my favorite Wes Anderson's. I don't like all of his movies. Like um, Moonrise Kingdom was not my favorite. Maybe if I rewatch it again. Um, no, but- I really Moonrise Kingdom has some like awkward moments in it where I'm just like, ugh. But I really like it. Um, yeah, and it's got a lot of like the very like very good like Wes Anderson type actors um, who are playing like roles that you really appreciate. So it's got, you know, it's obviously got Bill Murray and then um, Ed Norton's like little cameo in it. And then you always have to have Jason Schwartzman, obviously tons of others. I'm not going to list them all, but yeah, I think that one is like kind of quintessential Wes Anderson for me, just because of like all the tiny little cameos and like how many people are brought in. What, um, I guess my, how do I say this? The closest related movie um, from Fantastic Mr. Fox that he's done is probably Isle of Dogs. I really liked Isle of Dogs, but I did not like it more than Fantastic Mr. Fox. What was, and I know you've seen it. So what was your comparison thought process? I liked Isle of Dogs a lot. I haven't seen it since it came out. And so I'd probably need to watch it again which it's also on Disney plus for some reason. So I can do that. Um, but I remember really liking Isle of Dogs and Fantastic Mr. Fox. I liked, um, I probably need to watch it again too, just to kind of fully appreciate it. But I think right now, maybe Isle of Dogs a little bit better, but I mean, they're, they're both close. I mean, I prefer his live action stuff. Yes. <laughs> over the, the two, uh, I guess are they both stop motion, I think. Um, yeah, they are. They are. But here's the thing, too, is like, I feel like Isle of Dogs is more geared towards adults and Fantastic Mr. Fox is geared more towards children. Um, I, don't, I don't think Fantastic Mr. Fox, I know it's only rated PG, but I don't think it's rated, like geared towards children. No, I mean, I'm not saying like it is for children. I don't think it's for children. But comparing the two, I think Isle of Dogs um deals with more socio political events than fantastic mr fox does you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna show lincoln fantastic mr fox and we'll see how that goes and i'll let you know if kids like it please do because i want to know um if he actually ends up liking it that'd be really funny that'd be really good it beat (laughs) it beat fucking puppy pals or whatever the shit you show him not bluey though uh, um no, bluey rocks so did you, okay did you, hold on yeah okay go ahead do you know who co-wrote this movie as noah bombach yeah huh um actually that's what i was getting into is that you know how wes anderson has such a very specific style of uh of i guess direction or like artistic view um of his movies right right they're very like kind of flat not in a bad way. I'm not saying like the plot is flat. I'm saying like the landscape is very flat. You can see everything at a very like symmetrical point of view and um, the coloring and the, and the, even to the acting where the acting kind of comes off theatrical. Um, most of his movies feels like you're watching a play happening right in front of you. Um, and that's something really cool. But 
his screenplays are almost always co-written with someone else. Um, do you know what other movie was co-written by him and Noah Baumbach? You can say no, David. Just say Grand no. Buda, Grand Budapest. No, it's probably a Baumbach movie. Uh, no, actually, it's a Wes Anderson uh, film, and it's The Life Aquatic. Ah, oh, that makes sense. Um, but then most of his other movies are co-written either with him and Owen Wilson or him and Roman Coppola. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. And this is obviously based off of a book. Um, so they had that start with it. By Roald Dahl. Yeah. I was reading one thing interesting that I didn't tell you I was going to talk about, but um, they didn't like the beginning and ending of the book. And they were like, I think they're at like his Roald Dahl's like library or house or whatever. And um, they found like a draft that had a different ending with like animations of it. And they're like, and they're like, Oh shit, we need a different ending anyway. And that's like, I think where they got the ending for this. I feel like whoever ends up adapting a Roald Dahl book um, into a film uh, always changes the ending, (laughs) no matter what film, whether it's the BFG or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or whatever it is, everyone ends up changing his fucking endings. Yeah. Those are tough movies to do now because they're usually not successful anymore. Yeah, his uh, there's also another movie, Matilda. Matilda was a Roald Dahl. Oh man, I didn't know that. Yeah. So what? I wasn't. What was, I wasn't a big Roald Dahl guy as a kid. So I, I liked him. I I don't know if I was a big fa- fan, but yeah. So let's start. Um, it opens up with the Fantastic Mr. Fox, played by George Clooney, listening to Davy Crockett. <laughs> Yeah, I like the little Walkman has. I actually really like the um, the poem at the beginning that starts it out. Yeah, and I also in putting this on, I did not realize that this movie was PG, and I did not realize it was stop motion. I probably knew at the time when it first came out that it was stop motion because it's fairly obvious when you watch it. But when it started up again, I was like, "Holy shit, this is like claymation!" I like did not know that, and I normally cannot stand those movies, but this was good. You you like this one? Yeah, no, yeah, I like the movie a lot. Uh, it was really good. It starts off a little weird uh, for me. I don't really know why that is, but I really enjoyed it. Well, I'll I'll start breaking it down, and you point out any weird parts. But um, basically, Mr. Fox is having this like crisis. No, sorry, that's not the. Hold on, sorry, I was I was thinking of the uh, after the the prelude, but. In the opening, he's out with his wife uh, trying to steal some chickens and they get caught. And they have this like moment where she's like, you have to promise me we can like never do this again because I'm pregnant and we have to like uh, live a safer lifestyle. And he was like, okay, I promise. And then I guess cut to how many years? (laughs) Present day? Yeah, I guess. Um, However old enough for a fox to go through the entire pregnancy, give birth, and now their foxling is a teenager. Well, as they explained, fox years are different than human years, but I did not catch the, uh, like what the uh, multiplication is to, to get from one to the other. The only one I can remember is like two weeks, 
in two and a half days two and a half days was like two or three weeks yeah something like that like the days translate to weeks yeah i'm not gonna do the math um what when this part played i was like i really want to know how they made it out of that cage and so i was like annoyed and then the payoff i think is really great like the scene with uh jason schwarzman and george clooney later on is really good which one which one like towards the end of the movie he's like you know um when your mom told me like that she was pregnant with you and he's like you told me this story and jason schwarzman keeps like stepping on george clooney's lines he's like hey who's telling the story like let, let me tell the story and he's like my bad continue well, how how did they get out of it? They dug. Oh, they just they just dug out. They just dug down. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. below them, which makes sense. There was a there was a problem that I had uh, towards the end of the film um, that Jason Schwartzman was getting them out of that jam- the, the 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 one where he um, let's okay. So real quick, Jason Schwartzman plays their son Ash, who's like a I guess like a teenage fox. And he gets them out of this like really hard jam at the end of the movie, but he digs down and he digs into concrete. And I'm like, I didn't know foxes could like <laughs> dig into concrete. Yeah, they can't. Um, so that was a little bit, uh, took me out of the movie, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then, but then, uh, we move past the uh, little opening, which I like. I especially like the animation on it is cool. The way that him and Mrs. Fox, whose voice I had to look up because I was like, I have no idea who that is. And then when I read it, it was Meryl Streep. I was like, well, that's pretty obvious. But she has such like a... Um, was it obvious? Because it didn't sound... I knew it was her and I, it still didn't sound like her. It's obvious when you know it. She does, the thing is, is like she's also, besides just being like a great actress, she's a great character actress. So like a lot of the things that I would know her from, she's usually doing a voice um, like Julia and Julia, uh, Dow. Mamma Mia. I haven't seen Mamma Mia. Oh, well, your loss. I guess. Um, But yeah, so when I looked it up, I was like, oh, okay. But that's like one where um, you would expect more like a, a more Wes Anderson, like, you know, a pro who's been in like all of his movies. I thought it was going to be Gwyneth Paltrow. Apparently, he talked with Kate Blanchett about it on, I think, probably Tenenbaums? Mm. Could have been Tilda Swinton. No, no. He <laughs> Anyway, there's a rumor that it was originally supposed to go to Kate Blanchett, and he was like, yeah, I talked with her about it, but it never went past that, and that's kind of just a rumor. So, um, But she, she is great, and obviously just the voice. I think, like having we talked about george clooney's voice in like previous movies when you have that as like the main character just that voice like yep you know it's a good start and maybe it overshadows a little bit i actually think schwartzman's my favorite character in this he's he's just like he's the perfect wes anderson character to me yeah which is why he like started out and is in most of these now um but i think he kind of steals the movie for me he's awesome and then um i think the dynamic with his character Ash and his cousin Christopherson, I think that dynamic works so well in this movie that if you were like, oh, the main character is these two guys, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I believe it. Yeah, I wanted more of that. That was my favorite part of the movie is those two. Oh, 100%. But all right, so moving on, we get this like little, um, little thing where he's not too happy about being poor and living underground. 
and now we find out instead of catching foxes or catching chickens, he's a journalist. Um, journalist. Yeah, living a uh, a quiet life in a hole, and he wants to upgrade into like a like an actual treat house, or like. I like I like the running gag where he's like asks Mrs. Fox, "Do, do your friends read my newspaper?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, they." They they talk about it, but they just some, they don't get that paper, so they can't read your column. And then later on, when he's giving a speech, he's like, "You know, I know most of you don't even read my column, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah." Um, uh, this is like the dialogue is written in such a way where it's wouldn't it, it would come out of people, and the fact that it's coming out of these like little animals is just I, that's where most of the humor, for me at least, comes out of the movie. Um, so basically he, he leads them, um, he buys a house. He buys a, he buys a tree house thing. Right. I guess it would be like the equivalent from us, like moving out of a condo and or apartment to a, a house. I think people don't understand moving below ground to above ground. I don't know that you needed a comparable for them. I just did it. Um, and then Christofferson, their, uh, their nephew, Jason Schwartzman's cousin, is coming over. Jason Schwartzman is very annoyed about this. And that, as we talked about, plays a, a major role. I do really like the the like the labels that like divide up the movie. Cause George Clooney is going to do another big score. Um, kind of like his character in Oceans Eleven. And um take out these three like factory owners which are the names of the three guys in the poem in the beginning yeah and i like how uh master plan phase one like goes across the screen to let you know like okay this is the part of the movie we're in one thing i read it does that a lot throughout the movie i know yes what i said um one thing i didn't notice in the movie i don't know if you did but someone said that um some of the characters could actually read those and it kind of like moved the plot along in certain points. Like uh, Ash, Jason Schwartzman could read that. And so he knew what his dad was up to. And that's how he was able to follow him. I didn't catch that at all. I thought I didn't he either. just got tipped off because his dad is a horrible liar. <laughs> um, well, hold on. Before we meet Christofferson, who's an amazing character played by Wes Anderson's brother. Um, we are also introduced to Kylie the uh the possum great character and he's a good character he's a great character and he becomes kind of like fox's sidekick um not sure what he does he's just he's just the type of guy who he's there you know he's there for availability he sticks around but uh yeah and he keeps paranoid like making a fox paranoid by mentioning a wolf it's like what wolf oh okay Never mind. You're just going on by your thing. <laughs> I don't hate wolves. I'm just. I just have a phobia. Uh, so what? What overall? What did you think of the dialogue and how everything was delivered? Because it was such a weird, weird way of doing it. Um. No. Super fast paced, which is kind of like a lot of his movies. Um. It's like. He's like it's just a, a kind of a classic Wes Anderson style dialogue to me, where it's 
like repeated viewings of this movie are going to make it a lot funnier for you because there's just the dialogue is so quick and it doesn't really he doesn't really care almost if you catch the dialogue because it's there for you and so if you keep watching it it'll get funnier through you know through the times watching it so do you like how he picked that specific tree to live in because he knew of the what is it the bonus buns and beans people i think it's bogus bogus buns and beans whatever um that he's like we need to live here so like i can score later no yeah i think they make that fairly obvious in the movie yeah no i i know I'm just saying, like, what did you think of that whole setup? But did you see where this movie was going at all? Or were you just kind of, like, on long for the ride? When I clicked on the Disney Plus thing, a description popped up, and it was uh, Mr. Fox, George Clooney, looking for one last big score. <laughs> Never mind, I guess. So I was pretty prepared for the big score. Um, I really liked the first heist specifically the one part that sticks with me is as first of all it just happens so quickly like this movie is 87 minutes long with the credits at the end so it's very quick but i love when they're like just running into the first factory and mr fox is like oh we're gonna go this way and then kylie's like or we could go that way and it's just like an open gate with nothing there yeah and he's like yeah that's better we'll do that yeah, when they, they, he's like, someone's going to have to jump over the barbed wire, flip three flips over the electric fence, and land perfectly there. And he's like, eh. um, But there's a lot of those, right? There's like um, a lot of moments where the overcomplication things can easily be fixed. Um, but I, I think that's just kind of a little running gag it has. Um, also, I didn't understand why Bogus ate the blueberry. That's very clearly that blueberry has caused problems for your dog while you're just like, oh, let me pop this in my mouth. I love all the setup too, because when they're first mentioning the beagles, he's like, beagles love blueberries and we got to like dose the blueberries and everything like that. Um, But there's one that has rabies. So we have to be careful of that one. And then we don't see that one until the very end of the movie. And I just love, I don't know. I love all the setups and payoffs throughout this entire film through dialogue or through um, characters or whatever it's they're always there and they're always like keeping the audience like really invested but also um, like wanting to pay attention to every every aspect of this film you know I thought was funny is that when the first dog eats the blueberry Mr. Fox like starts celebrating like see I told you because he wasn't very sure that it was gonna work oh yeah yeah um I also love how how uh Kylie the possum was supposed to bring the blueberries <laughs> and they're like yeah I, I told you to bring the blueberries like what blueberry I didn't bring the blueberries you didn't tell me to do that and he's like I wrote it on your hand <laughs> just all over his hand with like hundreds of arrows uh I mean, there's some things. There's some things that you could not do in a live action, and that is definitely one of them. Um, so yeah, you're right. So the first heist goes off without a hitch. Comes back, puts. Um, I love his plan too. He's like, we have to kill these chickens real fast, and the possum's really trying to bite through the neck. And he's like, I can't. I don't have the same kind of teeth you have. 
I love right after the first one, he's like, all right, well, we'll go to Bunce's tonight. And he's like, what do you mean? You said this is one big score. He's like, it, it's a triple header. <laughs> we got to get all three. Um, which is exactly what someone like um, George Clooney's character in, in the Ocean movies would say, which is kind of great, too, because I'm, I'm thinking he was just hired because Wes Anderson saw the uh, Ocean movies. He's like, well, I have this, uh, I have this heist movie. And Clooney's like, great. And it's like, yeah, you're a claymation fox. <laughs> Clooney's like, great. even better. Um, so, okay, so let me see here. The... The next, oh, so before they go on the next heist, um, I love how Mr. Fox thinks ahead that he's like, we have to package these and put little sale tags on them so we can trick my wife into thinking we got these from the market. And then uh, she catches that they have the original tag from the from the farm on, on the chicken's foot. Right. And she's like, oh, what's this doing here? He's like, oh, it must have been from that. Like, plays it off so smooth. And uh, then she gets super suspicious when the next night they come back from the next heist and her freezer or pantry is like absolutely stocked to the nine with chickens and geese. And well, what I was so the first farm is chickens and the last farm is cider and turkey. What was the middle heist about? I think it was, think it was a different kind of bird, but I don't remember. Was it squab? I remember squab being mentioned a lot. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but I know it's a bird. Yeah. It's a, There's a lot of birds. There's a lot of birds. They were dead ones, though, in the second factor. They were alive in the first. So, um, oh, Were they? Yes. And uh, the second heist goes off, like, very quickly without a hitch. We don't really even get to see it. We just get, like, we get to see them in there and then out of there and then the pantry filled up. That uh, the next scene are, is the saddest description I've ever read in my life. Do you know what a squab actually is, David? No. It is a young, unfeathered pigeon, which means that they have to take a baby pigeon and kill it before not, it even it's gets its a, feathers. Not a baby. It's just kind of young, you know? That's... It might have died of natural causes. Yeah, every squab in the market died of natural causes. Yeah, the, the natural causes being murder. <laughs> um, my, the next scene, though, I really like is the whack bat scene. And we've already had Christofferson show up. And uh, Jason Schwartzman is a dick to him. And it makes him sleep underneath his train set. And he's just like, well, it's really bad for my spine. And then he... <laughs> Christopher, I love Christopherson sitting underneath the train set crying. And Jason Schwartzman gets down and starts the train set. Yeah. Um, but the whack bat scene is pretty great. We get to see Owen Wilson. And this is like the first time we get to see that Christopherson is just good at everything. Um, it's so funny because I was watching this with Taylor. And when uh, I got a quarter into the movie, she's like, who, who plays Mr. Fox? I was like, that. You kidding me right now? Like wow. that's George Clooney. It sounds exactly like George Clooney. And then uh, when Owen Wilson's character came onto the scene, she asked me like, "This voice is so familiar," and I was like, "All right, now I know you're pulling my leg." It's like the two most recognizable voices in Hollywood. 
then Christopher Walken walks out and she's like, I don't know. That one's kind of familiar too. <laughs> um, actually, to give credit where credit's due, Willem Dafoe's in this movie and he doesn't sound anything like Willem Dafoe. Did you pick that one out? No. <laughs> okay, so no credit. Um, but I, I love the explanation of Whack Bat, which you could not follow if you tried. And then... Uh, I think it's kind of like baseball, but instead of three bases, it's four. I think it's most closely related to cricket. Um, oh. I also love when uh, Agnes has the K. And <laughs> Jason Swords was like, what's that for? Um, um, we're going steady. And he's like, Ugh. just like so like over it. Um, also, how funny it is that Ash, Jason Schwartzman's character, wants to be athletic so, so bad. And Christopherson is just naturally good at everything. And <laughs> it's uh, um, how like much of a liking everyone takes to Christopherson, especially like his dad. Like Mr. Fox loves his nephew more than his son, it feels like almost. Um, but the line that really gets to me is that when uh, Ash confronts Owen Wilson's character, who plays the coach, um, and he's like, I I I, I want to be as good as my dad. Do you think I have the potential to be as good as my dad? He's like, your dad? Your dad was the best of the best. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I have the, the natural, you know, genes in me, like the, the potential. He's like, uh, let's just say you're improving and let's leave it at that. Yeah, you're improving. That's it. No, yeah, it's it good stuff. Owen Wilson, always great, great voice to use. Um. And then the phase three starts, which is where we get to meet Willem Dafoe. Um, and I knew that was Willem Dafoe going into it, or at least I looked it up and I was like, yeah, that does not sound anything like Willem Dafoe. But I do really like that scene. I like the, like the snapping and the uh, just overall menacing nature of the rat. Um, very, very, um, I, I feel like, all these characters are turned to 11, right? Like they're, they're cartoons. They're, they're supposed to be very cartoonish. But when you take Willem Dafoe, who's already very cartoonish, and like think of him like um, his Green Goblin character in Spider-Man, right? Already like turned up to 11. This is so, this character is so zany. Um, but it needs to be, I guess, you know? Who do you think, whose idea was it for him to sound nothing like himself? Wes Anderson or himself? I don't know. But who do you think idea was it to come at every opponent while snapping with a switchblade? <laughs> like West Side Story? Yeah, I don't know. That had to be Wes's probably. Did you see the rat at the in the beginning with the little striped shirt and think he was going to have a French accent when he opened his mouth? Because I did. Uh, yeah, I mean, you always assume that. Striped shirts are French man's legacy. Um, By the way, I like, we didn't talk about the opening of phase three where Ash joins them and he's like, what, what are you doing here? Go home. He's like, where the cuss does that kid get off? And then Christopherson shows up. He's like, where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we've been waiting for you. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, I, we, we haven't talked about this, but I really love the use of cuss instead of the actual cuss word. Yeah, they basically substitute cuss for fuck 
and it comes off really great. I think every cuss word. I don't think it's always fuck. Oh, I thought it was specifically fuck. It's every cuss word. Oh. Well, it works especially well with fuck. Fuck is a very, you know. You're cussing kidding me. Malleable word. better. I mean, that could have been your bitching kidding me. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Yep. You're right. Uh, this this also establishes the Bean's blind wife, which is very important to later on in the movie. Um, but if she's actually blind, mm-hmm. how did she not see Mr. Fox? Because she's blind. But she saw Christopherson later on. But that was so obvious. At least Mr. Fox was like in the dark, set behind the things and the shape of the bottle. Christopherson and Ash were just like there wearing beanies. Yeah, that's true. Maybe she's slightly blind, maybe legally blind, but can see enough to see a fox eating her cookies. Yep. The, um, let's see, the third heist with the cider. I was so confused. So they stole just the cider. They just left the turkeys because I thought the turkeys is what they would be the most interested in. Did they have turkeys? Yeah, the uh, apparently the guy specialized in cider and turkeys. Well, I mean, they already had a full pantry of squab and, and chickens, so. I guess you're right. What was the need? Uh, I like the emergency meeting that the three of them have where Mr. Bean is just like, we have to get these people. Like we have to kill this Fox. And the other two are like, okay. Um, What did you think of his character and the way he's just shooting everything? I liked it. I mean, I I liked how overbearing he is for the other two and just how he kind of runs everything and they can't make their own decisions. Um. Yeah, and and they set him up to be the most menacing one, which I thought was a good idea because it was like, um, after the first two heists and how easy they went off, um, you kind of had a feel that there was some something on the line for that last one. Uh, what what was Mister Fox gonna go out and? do again for that for the fourth heist that got him caught that got his tail blown off um i'm not sure i don't know that he was gonna do i don't remember if he was gonna do anything or did he just go outside yeah i I mean i I don't remember i think that didn't maybe they're just going to get more yeah i i don't really remember what the what the fourth one was about but i they made it barely out of the tree I, I do love before they left though, Mrs. Fox, if what I think is happening is happening, yeah, it better not be. Yeah. Um, she's she's amazing. I mean, right behind Ash and Christopherson, she's one of my favorite characters. And she calls calls uh Mr. Fox out on his bullshit like all the time. It's great. Yeah, one of uh one of her great lines, like when they start digging in the tree to get after them, uh she's like they're digging us out. They're going to get the children. He's like, over my dead body. And she's like, well, yes, in this scenario, you too would also be dead. 
but that that's also classic Wes Anderson writing, which is always like, I don't know what you call that. Matter of fact dialogue. I it's uh it's very stylized, just like the rest of his films. But it's uh it's great and I love it. I also like that uh Jason Schwartzman is mad that he wasn't shot at after his dad loses his tail. He's like, I could have helped. <laughs> after they almost died. Do you think David, uh, Jason Schwartzman sounds like a 14 year old Fox? Yes. That's the part he was born to play. Born to play. <laughs> um, okay. So now we move on to them. Try- I mean, basically this whole bulk of the movie is them trying to get away from the, Three men digging out their tree and then eventually comes in the bulldozers. Uh, Yeah, it's the digging section next. Um, My favorite part of this is as Mr. Fox is trying to talk to Jason Schwartzman and like, hey, I'm sorry, da, da, da. And he's like, "Uh, I'm going to put dirt in my ears. Okay, that's better. Keep talking. Um. Oh, we, we we didn't really... Okay, so real quick, backing up a little bit. When the kids are in school and they're in the science lab, um, this is before the... What, what was it called? Ball... Whack it? Whack bat. Whack bat, right. Thank you. Um, I love how... Even though, no matter how mean Ash is to Christopherson... Even when someone was like being a bully towards Ash, Christopherson was a was gonna like take up for him. It's family, man. It's family. But Ash is such a dick. He is. What He's did you dick. think of the um because everything is stop motion, so nothing can really be what it is. What did you think about their effects and what they used for fire and smoke? Uh, when I saw it, I was like, that just looks like cotton balls. Oh, you weren't impressed? You thought it would, what do you mean impressed? Like, yeah, I thought it was, it was cool. so cool. I, th- I just thought like the time it would take to have to like constantly move the cotton balls around or whatever, uh, they used so that it would look like billowing smoke or like, um, the fire extinguisher or anything like that. I thought it was just really cool. Well, yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons I don't like stop motion is because I just spend the whole time thinking about like how tedious this whole thing had to have been. And it angers me. <laughs> um, but this this one worked. So I'm, I was fine with the movie. I do like, <laughs> so after they've kind of come to a point where they can stop digging, uh, Mr. Fox is like, I just know he's wearing my tail. And they're like, now you're being paranoid. And it just cuts to... Mr. Bean wearing it as the tie. Do you like how Mr. Bean has like this unlimited amount of money to hire like multiple people plus a helicopter plus like all these things plus a a biplane to advertise with like. Yeah, he's just like the most wealthy person in the world. He uh, blows up the tree then takes all the workers that should be working at the factories and makes them turns them into snipers apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um okay, so where are we now? I think I think we're where they meet up with all the other animals. Yep. And the uh the bean and bogs and bunts are trying to starve them out. 
Um, I love like as they're running, the bully once again picks on Jason Schwartzman, and then he's like looks at Christopherson. He's like, "Why are you taking your shoes off?" He's like, "So I don't break your nose," and she starts karate chopping him and kicking him. It's great, and then it's like it doesn't really seem to really do anything to the bully, but he just like kind of like emotionally breaks down and cries and runs away. Right. It's so good. I also love when the mom goes to Ash and she's like, it's fine that you're weird. You know, I think there's something fantastic about it. And and Ash is like, nah, but I want to be an athlete. (laughs) Um, uh, And then she was like, I'm weird. And it's like this close up on her face. Is it just because she has purple eyes? Probably. I think it's because she was willing to marry Mr. Fox. Probably. Was he, in your opinion, so fantastic? I mean, in the end? I guess. When it mattered. I guess. But really, Ash kind of stepped up in the end when it mattered, too. I was like, it was a team effort. Even, even Kylie had his part. I like the, how the stakes were raised because it's like he's doing all this stupid shit to fulfill his like younger day fantasies. Basically we, we just watched a, an hour and a half movie about a, a, a Fox going through a midlife crisis. But um, at the, at the midpoint where they're all like um, all the other animals are yelling at him, basically like you've kind of ruined this entire place and our lives and you've made it much harder for us to live in. At that point, I think he's finally starting to realize, like, hey, look, I I fucked up, and I'm willing to basically sacrifice myself for everyone else. Well, sort of, but then he's like, oh, wait, I've got a great idea, and steals all the food while everyone's waiting for them. He steals all this food from all three farms, and they're, like, living like kings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is before he has his suicide plan, right? So, yeah, you're right. So he goes and he steals all their food, which he's like, I'm just thinking, like, he has to come up with a plan to basically make themselves safe forever. I think the only way he would do that is if he would just literally assassinate the three head head of the companies. It's like, this is not that kind of movie. But anyway, so he st- he steals all the food, like you said. Um, and then they flood them out with cider, which is probably the best way to be flooded out. And that somehow puts them in the sewage system. Which um, then they're stuck in. <laughs> and now they can't get out. And at this point, though, hold on. A couple things are happening because I do want to talk about that toast he gives um, while they're all feasting on the feast. Yes. Um, Ash and Christofferson. So Ash has this plan to try to prove himself to his dad. They're going to go in and steal back his tail from Beans, from Mr. Bean. Right. Not the Mr. Bean, but the character Mr. Bean. Um, and then it goes terribly wrong, and, and they get uh, found out by the blind Mrs. Beans. Um, and that is how Christofferson gets captured and held hostage yes so when they're flushed out into the sewer system they realize christopherson is gone and this hatches the plan where um mr fox is like hey i'm just gonna give up i'm gonna um surrender 
and um, hopefully if they kill me, they'll be satisfied with leaving the rest of you alone and freeing Christofferson. And then the rat shows up. Willem the rat. Yeah, I, I do like to, like, after he kills the rat, he's like, you know what? I'm not going to turn myself in anymore. Yeah. Um, that was one of my favorite line deliveries. It was so dark, but it was so, like, it wasn't funny, but, like, for the moment it was funny, where he's giving this kind of this, like, eulogy to the rat. He's like, in the end, you repented. But that doesn't change that you're going to die like every other rat in the back of a Chinese restaurant. Jeez. Yeah. I, uh, I also like, too, they, the rat brings them the letter with, like, cut-out magazine characters. And <laughs> Kylie's like, wait, why do they do that? I guess to hide their handwriting. But we know who they are. And they send their name at the end. <laughs> right. And then when, uh, they, when Mr. Fox sends a letter back to them, he's like, why did they use the beans? Like, why did he use cut out letters from a magazine? They're like, I don't know. Probably because you did it too. Here's, here's my question. And I guess we just have to live in this kind of world where how no human is surprised that foxes can communicate perfectly with them. Yeah. Like you're sending a letter at first when they got the letter, cause they got it from the rat. I thought the rat sent it as a ruse. And then they, you, you think he had his own thing going. I thought he had his own thing going. Yeah. What was the, what was the end game there? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Point oh, is, we, we, we learned what the actual end game was cider. Oh. Which, if he's guarding the cider, why didn't he just drink some cider while he was in there? We actually like see him drinking cider while he is in there. So, yeah, I don't know what the point of dying was. Seemed kind of a, a lost plot point. Um, so then, I guess the, the end game comes in this step. oh well no they have to save christopherson so that has to play out but well, that's in master, doing that that's master plan b uh so this section is where i always say uh beans bogus and bunts but it's actually bogus bunts and beans are set to try and ambush mr fox and i love when uh mr fox yells up like hey i need to hear uh christopherson like here he is and they play a tape and he's like oh my god that's so obviously not him what is this an amateur hour what am i dealing with up here <laughs> and then they start throwing the fire pine codes and they throw one and they're able to put it out very easily and like the townspeople start laughing i guess it's not the townspeople it's like all the workers have taken over this town right and so then like 30 more pine cones come up and like light everything on fire and this is like, and then the next is the decoy phase where like other people start running up and getting shot at and they send the bunny who's really fast because that's like part of the plan. Um, and then Mr. Fox, Ash and Kylie get on the bike and start going to save Christofferson. Um, I really like how we didn't really talk about this part, but how he goes around and calls all the animals by their Latin names. Except for Kylie. I don't know what an opossum is. The Romans probably didn't have you anyway. I laughed so hard at that part. It's such a funny line. Um, yeah. 
So isn't it weird that this, uh, these three companies basically made this little town like a police state? Yeah, and there's news who are just like reporting on it and not questioning it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, such a fucking weird movie. Anyways, so yeah, they go off to, to, to save um, Christopherson. And this is where um, Ash has his big moment. And uh, Mr. Fox has to deal with uh, the rabid dog that we preluded to in the beginning. I like uh, before that when uh, Mr. Fox does like the whistling and clicking thing. And Kyle's like, what is that? Why do you keep doing that? <laughs> it's like this thing that's been happening throughout the entire movie. And we finally get some like, well, what the hell is that you're doing? It's his catch mark. Trademark. Trademark. His catch phrase? Yeah, there we are. So what? So I, I invented a new word, David. It's a trademark catchphrase called a catch mark. Don't think that's going to catch on. Uh, I also like too. after uh, Kylie and Ash like run up while uh, Mr. Fox is like distracting the, the rabid dog and, and Ash is just like, wait, I can fit through there. And Kylie's like, how? Because I'm little. <laughs> like it's a superpower. <laughs> um, and did, did you like the five second karate lesson that Christopher was trying to teach him? And in the end, he just kind of like pushed him off. I did. I really like before that when he likes like uh, when Ash tells Christopher, I'm rescuing you. And Christopher's like, I have mixed feelings about that. Also, I like how um, like his mantra for meditation is I'm lighter than a piece of bread. And how that comes into play later. That is a pretty light amount. It's not much. One those, slice? He's so little. Maybe he's already lighter than a piece of bread. I'm going to doubt that. Yeah. Uh, and then we get uh, The Great Escape, which is pretty good. Yep. Uh, so they get out. They um, Well, they get out of the warehouse thing just to find themselves completely surrounded by, like, um, the three heads of the corporation with like shotguns, rifles, and then snipers on the roofs. Yeah, all 108 people made it over there with the chopper, I guess. Uh, and then they must have uh, learned their shooting from Stormtrooper School because none of them could hit any of them. Well, this fox is moving fast. And that this is where Ash finally has his big moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's able to. Uh, I guess all he accomplishes is letting the rabid dog loose, which then buys them the time to escape. But that's all they really needed. So, yeah. Um, what did you think of the wolf? Why the wolf? And how do you think that plays into like? Because I feel like this is probably. Hmm. Symbolism, but I I can't figure out how yeah i mean i don't know if it's symbolism i just know uh a couple of my friends would always do like the raised fist to each other like from this movie i, I love that he tries to speak to the wolf and then he tries french he's like oh the wolf isn't understanding and then he raises the fist and the wolf just immediately raises it back yeah so that's what i got out of it yeah and he's like Not i have else. a phobia of you <laughs> 
Yeah, just to let you know. Uh, I like when he turns to the other people, his son, his his nephew, and and Kylie, and he's like, "Wish him, wish him good luck for the winner." And then they're all like, "Good, good, good luck, good, good luck, good luck." And then this movie has like seven different endings because yes. you think it's over, and but then two and a half days later, they're like, "Oh, we're still going to try and starve them out," and like it moves all through the tunnels, and like the rabbits are hungry, and she's like, "Oh, here's some water to tide you over." Um, but then they find the manhole to the grocery store where they have like a little, little day. Yeah. And then did you, uh, did you pick up before the ending shot? That was their grocery store. Yeah, no, I did not. I apparently, I guess there was a, uh, an advertisement for it earlier, but I did not see it. Did you like that reveal? I did. Yeah. I thought it was really good. I also really liked too that, uh, Bogus Bunsen beans were guarding the manhole and no one else was anymore. It was just those three. Like all their men had quit. Um, how many? It's been weeks, right? Two point five days, which oh, is just three just weeks. A couple in of Fox. days. Yeah, three weeks in Fox time. So, um, yeah. And then Not, we get the po- we get the possum trademark. Little shuffle, and then they uh, they all break out into a, a dance. Well, that's because Mrs. Fox is pregnant, so, you know. Again. I, I do like the, uh, in the beginning when he's like, you're glowing, and then there's obviously like a different fox head that's glowing. And then, oh, I think we're both glowing, and that shows them both like glowing. Oh, that was really good. The fact that someone had to make like hollow <laughs> fox, like Christmas ornaments out of them. I read somewhere that there were just, there were 17 different versions of Mr. Fox alone. And that there was like either 300 or 500 plus um, figures for all the other people. Yeah. I'm surprised it's not more. That's like the, the extensive amount of work that that all had to go into and everything. I, I'm just always absolutely in awe of any stop motion claymation thing I see. But I mean, what do you think is easier? Animation or, or claymation? Animation. Especially now. Well, especially now, yeah. But claymation is just, you know, I think it's so much more involved. Yeah. Um, so final thoughts, overall view of the film. It's not your favorite, Wes Anderson, but where does it stand? But no, I really liked it. Um definitely brought it around. I definitely will check it out again, um, just to catch some of the stuff I missed. And it's uh, it's it's a really easy watch and like something you can put in the background, which always makes something uh, easy to rewatch. Um, it's not one of my favorite Wes Anderson's, but Wes Anderson is one of my favorite directors. So saying it's not one of my favorite of his movies is like not a slight at all. Um, so I really I think, liked it. I think it has a lot of rewatchability just because there's so many pieces of dialogue and moments that you can always catch that you might not catch your first time. Um, and then there's always like, like you might be sitting there in the ending being like, oh, why did that happen? But there's always a reason that was established in the beginning of the film that happened. Um, I think, I think, you know, like you said, it's not a very complex movie. I think it's pretty easygoing, um, fun movie that doesn't have a, you know, doesn't have a lot of depth, doesn't need a lot of depth, but overall it's just a fun film. And I, and I, and I think, you couldn't show it to your two-year-old and, and it'll be okay. We're doing it. 
Well, that's a wrap on another episode of I Finally Watch. Thanks for listening. I'm Milan. And this is David. And I finally watched Fantastic Mr. Fox.